0: Discipleship sounds like a big, scary word, but actually it's really simple. It means that we are following Jesus. But how do we follow Jesus? Do we just read our Bible and attend church more or events? Do we just act as good as we possibly can? Do we listen to more podcasts and buy special devotional books? How do we make the example of Christ more of a reality in our daily lives? How do we really live discipleship? Instead of making following Jesus a status we hold... Let's look at how the earliest people followed Jesus and understand what they witnessed. First John chapter 1 verse 29. And I'm reading from the English Standard Version. The next day, he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, "Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and I have borne witness that this is the Son of God. The next day, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. John... The Baptist is called to identify Christ. This is his only purpose. But John doesn't really know who Jesus is until John witnesses his glory. Now we're talking about the Apostle John. Okay, so John is called to identify Christ. That's John the Baptist. And his only, this is his only purpose. But John the Apostle doesn't really know who Jesus is until John witnesses his glory. Many people claim to know Jesus, but really what they have is ideas, opinions about Jesus. And almost everyone has ideas and opinions about Jesus, and ultimately that doesn't mean very much even if you have right opinions they won't actually change anybody only the light you witness can become the light others witness only the light that you witness can become the light others witness Only the light that you witness can become the light that others witness. It's really important to understand that. What kind of light are we shining? What do people see? It's a good introspective question when we're walking our faith house out each and every day. Sometimes we need to stop and say, what are people actually seeing in me? Because the light that you have can only, will only become the light that other people have. And if your light inside is not very strong, are people seeing that? Unfortunately, sometimes in this world today, we have become, we have made our Christianity become more and more a spectator sport. Matter of fact, our spectating sport has sometimes become more involved than even our Christianity. I was at a rush game last night, and you know, it was my first one. And as soon as they score a goal, everybody jumps up and goes, huh, 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 huh. I'm thinking, this is crazy. (laughs) It's freaky. And they said church was freaky. (laughs) They didn't do well last night, of course. But. It's, it's the fact is that sometimes we have to understand that there is a witness going forth from our lives, whether we like it or not. And that's why evangelism is often called witnessing. You're only testifying about what is real and alive within you. You're not witnessing to them. You're witnessing to Jesus, and you are sharing the news. And this is why we spend so much of our time and energy as a church family on encountering God together. You can't share something you don't know. Just saying. I will even be so bold as to say that, that I think that life is, is pushing us forward whether we want to or not. And what kind of light are you showing? What kind of Jesus do people see in you? Well, I don't see it very much because what's going on in my life is pretty crappy. <laughs> you can you can go that direction, but let me tell you: is we just were there. God's goodness is chasing after you. Whether you like it or not, it's not about your world. It's about who you're holding on to as faith, what you are living in, what you know to be true. And some of us are living in some other places that are not the place where Jesus is being revealed. I've said we live according to this sometimes, the theology of this book. The theology of political, if I had a political party, I could pull out the, the standards of all the things that political parties believe in. We sometimes will take that into account. Or sometimes our own theology becomes so, so inclusive that we forget who we are exactly supposed to emulate. Because the world today is painting us as being very, 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 very—can I use another couple of varies? Of being very exclusive and being intolerant of the world today. Who's going to redo that picture? of showing love to the world. Some kind of lines in a book? No, what it is is that our whole life has to emulate who Christ is. If you don't define who you believe in, somebody else will. Your experience will define who you are. Your education will define who you are. Your friends can define who you are. And some of us, we've allowed that to take place for so long, it's like it's rote. But who is Jesus in you? I know it's going to get a little quiet in here, but I'm not trying to point, bad, point major fingers and condemn you all. I'm, all I'm saying is it's sometimes we as Christians have to do some retrospect and understand in the, the place where we live. Because at this point that we're talking about in Scripture, there was 600 years of complete... Um, Thirsting for the things of God. There wasn't anything. From the end of the Old Testament to the beginning of the New, there was a long period of time where there was no word. The only people that were holding on were the people, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they were training people up. This is what's going to happen. This guy, Jesus, this, this Messiah, not Jesus, this Messiah is going to come and he's going to take over the world. Rah, rah, rah. We're going to get our land back. Rah, 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 rah. Jesus had a whole different plan. And it was prophesied back in the Old Testament, in Ezekiel's time, that he was not going to take the law written on on pieces of paper or on stone or anything else. He was going to write it on your heart. How is he going to do that? Well, we know how how he's done that. He died on a cross. He took away your penalty of sin. He basically rejuvenated your life. Wasn't creating rules and regulations. He was creating a people after his own, after, through his love. And the only commandment he gave was to love one another as I have loved you. And the world is painting us as being something totally different. I don't know about you, but that's not the way I'm going out. When's the last time you've encountered God? Okay, I know I'm pressing a lot of buttons this morning, but it's okay. Football doesn't start till at least 2 o'clock this afternoon. (laughs) Just kidding. Verse 37, the two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, "'What are you seeking?' And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come, you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour. You see, the way of Jesus was established by those who witnessed Jesus. And here's the commission that Jesus gave us in the book of Acts. He said, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. It was the disciples who turned the world upside down when they were on trial. Matter of fact, in the first few chapters, they were so excited they went on trial that they went away from being beaten, jumping for joy that they could suffer as Jesus suffered. I'm not sure we'd see that today. Did I say that out loud? Okay. (laughs) Okay. Acts four, verse twenty says, For we can we for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. That's That's what the disciples said. We 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 cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. But what did John's disciples witness? John the Baptist's disciples, he had his own set of disciples. They didn't see what John saw, they only heard what John said. They were willing to follow Jesus because they were already following John. They heard John give the endorsement to Jesus. They knew John was only the prophet in the prophet business to prepare the way for the Messiah. They didn't see Jesus as the Messiah directly. They were following John. And he led them to Jesus. So what did they do next? They went to Jesus for themselves. This is what discipleship is. It's following somebody who's already following, who's following Jesus. You can't find Jesus on your own, at least not at first. You can only follow the way of other witnesses. You're only here today because someone else told you or showed you the way. right. We had some real cool scripture in Psalm 40 that allows us to allow our faith to arise. It is not about your experience and what you're presently involved in and what's happening. It, means, it feels like it may come in like, it's, like you're in this hole and someone's filling the hole up and you're still inside it. It's not about knowledge. It's not about what you know or what you say. It's about who you have experienced. You know what? The whole thing is that this this life that we are involved in as Christians is... is is a relationship. It's not just a a way of knowledge or an understanding. It is a relationship. People will want to know what you're all about as a genuine follower of Jesus. This guy named Nicodemus was looking for Jesus. Jesus. He wanted what Jesus had. And Jesus said, Amen, you gotta be born again. And his things was, what? You mean I gotta go to my mother's womb and get born again? If you look at the at, at the truth that what was happening there is that there is a, it's not just what you know, it's a relationship. And it goes on to talk, Jesus talks about the truth. And the truth is something that has been given down. It is from heaven to earth. It is a relationship that he is building and dwelling and moving in you. You know what? He becomes real when you go through the fire. He becomes real when you don't have enough money at the end of the month. He doesn't become real when you still have money in your bank account and you can pay all your bills. You do it. He didn't do it. Okay, technically he gave you the money, whatever. What I'm trying to say is that there is, there is this experience is the experience of when we are in trouble and we can't, we can't bail ourselves out and some other other goodness comes along and gives us the ability to believe and know that we are going to carry on is not our own strength it's his yeah. <laughs> and that's what that's where the light comes from is because we know that it wasn't us that did it it was god god came through it's that trials that suffering it builds in us that light I often have to go back to the... the, I've said my testimony many, many times here of how God led me here. That I feel like I'm a broken record, but it it is the suffering that brought me through and it was the light that was given. And I share it all the time. Because that was real to me. Church it is imperative that we not just give rote, but that we know the way, that we understand the light, that we reveal the heart. The people who find and keep Jesus to themselves It can become cultic in their image of Christ. It can become perverse. Ours is an inherited faith. We receive it as a gift, and it leads us to a source. They were all, these, these men that were following John, they were disciples of John. They received John's faith in Jesus as a gift because they submitted their lives to him. Oh. Is that submit word? <laughs> don't want to submit my life to nobody, because I don't want anyone to have control. That's not what this is. This is an understanding of someone's gift of life and what was on them that was recognized and it was submitted to so that they could understand it themselves and receive it themselves. And when it was finally given Jesus, they could then recognize and receive it to themselves. The most exciting things that I can say or the, when, the, when there is a testimony of the light that's been given from me to others there is a quickness of the word that, that just goes to the soul and sunder of people's lives and they understand that this is a light that can't be quenched, it can't be figured out, it's just real yeah. and it's something that is needed in this world today You can sit on the fence all you want and play with the knowledge of who Jesus is or somewhat follow his teachings or think they're really good stuff. But the thing that's going to carry you through to the next level is what you know beyond a shadow of a doubt in your own heart and have experienced. Church, we are called awakening for a purpose. And that is we are awakened to the experience and the understanding and the presence of who he is. Discipleship doesn't stop just understanding and receiving. It's following someone who is following Jesus always leads you to your own relationship with Jesus. I want nobody in this room to follow me for me. Heaven forbid. I'm just a guy who's given, given something like 20 some years to this community. But I don't want people to follow me, I want people to follow Christ. There are many people who want to cut out community and become directly discipled by God alone. Just me and Jesus. I guess what I want to say is it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work. True discipleship doesn't stand in the way of your personal relationship with Jesus. True discipleship makes the introduction possible. Those who witness Jesus invite others to witness Jesus. Those who follow the witnesses are the ones who find the way to Jesus. And what happens after they meet Jesus... They ask him, where are you staying? Where are you going, Jesus? So what are they really implying? They'd like to follow where he's going. So if you're going onward as a church, I want you to come along and do what Jesus does. Now, what does Jesus do here? Does he give them a list of prophecies to follow? Does he show them a document of verified miracles? Here, these are all the miracles I did. Signed, witnessed, now believe in me. (laughs) Or does he ask them to search the scriptures that testify of him? No, Jesus simply says, Come and see. Even Jesus' disciples by making his people into witnesses. This reveals how discipleship works. So let's get practical. Number one, find someone. Find someone who has been transformed by an encounter with Jesus. Someone like John the Baptist. Uh, Just to let you know he's dead. (laughs) But someone like that. Someone who has been living in the desert on God's promises. Someone who's been living in the desert with his promises. Someone who's been living in the desert with his promises. Some of you are living in the desert, and you have His promises, and you are allowing the desert to affect the promises. Can I say two words? In the na- I'm going to quote Bob Newhart. Stop it. Someone who has seen who Jesus really is. Number two, follow them. Once you find them, follow them until their encounter with Jesus becomes yours by faith. You don't have to see the same things they see, you don't have to respond the way they respond. But if you learn to trust them and let them lead you, their life will become an opportunity for you to encounter Jesus on your own. That is why we have church as it is. It is here as a corporate setting, not only for us to encounter the presence of God, but to encounter each other and what we have come in contact with. There are people in this room that have experienced the promise of God in the desert. They are there in order for you to understand that if it happens to them, it can happen to you. Now, when I say that you follow them, it's not you're not being creepy. You're not trying to be a, what are they, what's the word, the term, a stalker on Facebook? Or creeping, that's the other word. (laughs) It's not about that. It's about understanding that there is a resonance of the presence of God on people's life, and you are recognizing it. And therefore, you are then calling on it. You are asking for it to come forth into your own life. It's not creepy, it's not sick, it's not dumb. What it is is that it is a it is a it is part of that submission 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 submission, submission <laughs> I know fiddler on the roof just came out of nowhere on me but church it isn't. It is a quickening of seeing the presence of God and calling that out, drawing that out of their lives. And you know what? It's not always going to be the big fancy person that's got it all together. I'm going to now mess with you a bit. There are people in this room that have Solid gold treasures of an experience with God, yet there 's no one calling out that gold it just it doesn 't always come from this point forth; it is part of experiencing the body of Christ. It says, and i 'm going to divert a little bit only for a second, and that is that it, there's, a, there's a calling on us in New Testament teaching that we're all to come with a hymn, a song. You see, we're not here to just sit back in a nice comfy chairs and say, okay, pastor, preach it. I'm ready. I'm ready to receive my meal. I'm ready to go away from here fed. I'm ready to just go home and sit on the couch. Watch some football after I've had a good taste of Christian food. (laughs) Part of being the body of Christ is that we have been called to come to this place with that of which God has already encountered us with, and we are here to share it with one another. It's not just the Liberia team that's heading off to Liberia that get the glory. They get the extra glory to go somewhere when they can just see the presence of God move. No, it is already here. This is good preaching. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I only... Please, I don't need any clapping. I just... I'm... I'd like to make sometimes what I'm talking about a little bit funny so that we can receive it. Follow them until their encounter with Jesus becomes yours by faith. You don't have to see the same things they see. You don't have to respond the way they respond. But if you learn to trust them and let them lead you, their life will become an opportunity for you to encounter Jesus on your own. You can experience what they have already dug up and that they understand, and they are willing to share that with you. What does it mean, let them lead you? Think about it this way. Whenever, Whatever is, in, is tended in your garden gets to grow. Whatever is tended in your garden gets to grow. You are already being discipled by your life's most dominant influences. A good disciple volunteers to be pruned. A good teacher doesn't force their will upon anyone. Did you hear me? Sometimes the, you have to understand that the people that have the, the essence or the good stuff inside of their lives are not always going to be pushing it down your throat. That was a good word right there. They're not going to force it on you. But you know what? We expect it sometimes in Christian circles for people to force it down on us. Or the people that are on the pedestal, they get to give it to me. I, they expect You expect it to come from here. The people we put on pedestals are supposed to be there for me. I think, I think sometimes we need to redefine our thinking and our seeing. <laughs> Amen. Yep. Because this kind of expectation now, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. I have a responsibility for God to equip the saints. It says in the word to not. Accept I'm going to use my paraphrase, okay? Not to exasperate or make leading people difficult by causing extra burdens on your leaders. Okay? Taking all of that, and that's an understood understanding. But I also want you to understand that to place unrealistic (laughs) expectations on leaders will set you up for disappointment. Yep. Well, what is realistic expectations then? <laughs> well, that's a sermon for another hour. <laughs> <laughs> but l- let me just. Bring it into back into a line with what I so I can finish and land this plane, is we have to then understand that there are there are lots of places where the Spirit of God is dwelling and there is a resource in the body to cultivate and understand and build in each and every one of our lives. It doesn't always just come from here down it comes with relationships one to another. It's understanding and recognizing that there is, a, there is a well of the Spirit of God on people's lives, not just from here. If it is all just about here, then it becomes very spectator sport. There is a resonance, a resource of the Holy Spirit in this room. Not just from the pastor, but it dwells in each and every one of you. There is a source that needs to be let go so that the river will be uncapped and it will flow. That's true. Amen. That's good. That isn't even in here. Um, good preaching. A good teacher won't force their will upon anyone, and you will have to ask for the growth you want. You will have to ask for the growth you want, even from your pastor. Um, 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 pastor, will you please... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just dwell on this. Hope the pastor hits me right between the eyes with his message today. Okay, we, we are in a body. We are in a family. We have to be able to communicate. Okay, number three, in the very last, so I can land this plane. As you walk with another witness, you will become more f- fruitful and more free. As you walk with someone else, you will become more fruitful and free. This doesn't mean that the road is always easy. Discipleship is not a good strategy for instant fulfillment or overnight success. It isn't about making you happy, although there's plenty of joy along the road. It's about forming you into Christ-likeness. A good discipleship relationship actually leads you to more dependence on the Holy Spirit as you manage your freedom on your own and interdependence with other believers as you grow in strength and confidence in what God has given to you. Can I say that again, please? Discipleship is not a strategy for overnight success or instant fulfillment. It isn't about making you happy, although there is joy along the road. It's about forming you in Christ-likeness. A good discipleship relationship with with someone will actually lead you to more dependence on the Holy Spirit. If it doesn't, warning bells, ding, 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 ding. There are a lot of people out there that will want to be your will want to disciple you disciple you as long as you listen to them. What are you talking about? A lot of people want to be the voice of the Holy Spirit for you rather than for you to listen to him yourself. That's what I'm talking about, talking about discipleship that allows you to form your own dependence on the Holy Spirit as you manage your freedom on your own, and an interdependence with other believers as you grow in strength and competence in what God has given you. You cannot walk the way as a Christian alone. Even Jesus was submitted to others. Check it out. It's in the book. It's in the book. Yep. Many of us will have to point to our phones now, but it's in the book. Jesus was submitted to others. Everyone on this road is following another witness. We speak what we know and we testify of what we have seen. What are you speaking about? What are you testifying to?